You're going to showboat, knock down the shot. For what his value is, doesn't equate to winning basketball. When you're talking about the greatest of greats, that's what you have to do. You have to nitpick. We'll see you in the playoffs. We'll see you in the playoffs. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of the TMUP Podcast. I'm Jace Eustace. That is Jarrett Huff. Jarrett, we are back about the midway point of the season, of the NBA season, as we kind of got a lot of fun things to go through. But how are you doing so far in this day, my man? Uh, well, after last night's Bulls loss to the Hornets at yeah, the time we're recording one. this, um, I could be doing better. But uh, there's a lot more to talk about in the NBA than the Chicago Bulls. So uh, I'll live. I'll live. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a rough one, man. And I feel it for the first part of the season, I was feeling that for Miami. They've shown a little bit of life as of late, but we'll get into some of those things as we get further into this. But we want to start off this podcast a little bit of accountability, I guess you could say, on our part. On our part, back at the beginning of the season, we did what most podcasts do at the beginning of the season. You go through and you give all of your kind of predictions, everything that you think is going to happen throughout the season, and then hopefully, if you're a good podcaster, if you're a good fan of the NBA, you hope that you're proven right. And in a lot of instances, maybe you are, and in some instances, you are dead wrong. Like me, who had the Boston Celtics last year missing out on the playoffs ended up being one of the last two teams standing. Sometimes that happens. But we thought we'd go through and just kind of revisit some of our preseason predictions. And I don't know how you wanted to go through these. I kind of just started, if you want to just start in the Eastern Conference and just kind of go through it one by one uh, the way that I had it. So currently the top 10 in the Eastern Conference sit as follows. we got the Boston Celtics currently holding down that one seed, Philadelphia 76ers in the two seed. Uh, number three seed, Milwaukee Bucks, Brooklyn Nets in four, Cleveland Cavs in five, Miami Heat with that six spot. And then in the play-in tournament, New York Knicks at seven, Atlanta Hawks at eight, Indiana Pacers at nine, and the Washington Wizards right there at the number 10 seed as we sit right now. So, Jared, go ahead and get us started, man. How, how did you have the top of this Eastern Conference preseason? How did you kind of have it sitting on your side? So, um, on my – I'll just – should I go through my top 10? Yeah, so, like, or you could yeah, just give it start, get it started. So going into uh, this season, I had the Bucks, the 76ers, the Nets, the Heat, Celtics, Bulls, Cavs, Raptors, Hawks, and Wizards uh, in my top 10. Okay. Um, as you could tell from some of the teams I, I've listed on there, season hasn't gone accordingly. Um, I'm going to just say – the the big one in the east that I got wrong was the Cavs. Um yeah. it I I will admit there's a little biased and I just I couldn't put the Cavs ahead of the Bulls. <laughs> just couldn't do it. Uh but the Cavs have been fantastic this year, uh to my dismay, considering they're a central division rival. Yeah. Um and the Bulls have been the complete opposite. We've been spectacularly awful mm-hmm. um at stretches. And then it'll seem like we're fine and then we're not. Um <laughs> As for the Bucks, the Bucks that's, have been good as I predicted. That's a really um, good recap, though. Just real quickly of the Bulls season, you, we've been really bad, and then we were good, but we actually weren't. So, like, that's just the the way you sum that up was a great way to sum up the Bulls season so far. Hundred. It feels like when we go on a stretch, it's fool's gold. Yeah, <laughs> we play very well against the good teams in the NBA. Very well. We beat the oh, Warriors yeah. this year. We beat the Bucks twice. We beat the Celtics twice. Um, I was even at one of the games. And it was awesome. I'm yeah. Like, it's going to be a good season. We're beating the Celtics, right? And then you can't beat Charlotte. Uh, yeah, we can't beat Charlotte. We can't beat <laughs> Indiana without Tyrese Halliburton, which is, yeah. oh, my God. We made Miles Turner look like Patrick Ewing. 
<laughs> with a three-point shot. I, I just I don't know what to do at this point. Oh, I, feel I like... know the, the answer, at least this season, is not to blow it up because why blow it up when we more than likely won't have our first overall or not our first overall draft pick, our first round draft pick. Yeah. Um, so blowing it up to me is pointless at that point. If you're going to blow it up, blow it up when you have your pick. True. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is there. Um, but yeah, I, for the most part, I've got stuff right when it comes to the bucks, the 76ers and nets nets is a little like they're dropping a little bit, but that's because KD yeah. Uh, isn't there he's gonna be back celtics i got wrong i thought they'd be lower but they're doing better this season um I, i'm happy although the hawks are a bit higher than i had them they've been bad um or actually i'm sorry did you where did you say the hawks are? i don't have the, hawks are uh, currently eighth okay so they are a little higher than i thought yeah. i had them uh ninth um the knicks have surprised me absolutely i, I gotta say shout out tom Thibodeau. Yeah, no, it's see, it's looked really good. And like, I think some of the ones that we have kind of similar, I think we both had Philly at number two. They currently sit at number two. So we were dead on there. Mm-hmm. One of the ones that I was way wrong on, and I, I looking back, I, I just overthought it is what I did. It, that's the Milwaukee Bucks. I had them at six. And the reason why I had them so low coming into the season and, and the rationale that I gave is. I thought they were going to come into this season and only focus on the postseason. I thought they were going to look at what they did last year in the playoffs where they didn't have Chris Middleton. And they, you could argue, I mean, they went to seven games with Boston that if they had Chris Middleton, that series might have swung the other way. Where I think they were, I thought they were just going to focus so much on be healthy for the postseason, give Giannis even more nights off than maybe he he would actually want, make sure everybody's healthy, play a lot of those young guys some extra minutes that you might otherwise not be playing if you're trying to win every game in the regular season. So I was way off on them. They've been a fantastic team. I still thought they were a great team. That was kind of my rationale. I think I tried to outthink myself. I think I was just trying to be smarter than I had to be and just saying, hey, the Milwaukee Bucks are a great basketball team and they're a great basketball team. So I was dead off on that. I was pretty close with Cleveland. I had them as my four seed. They're currently sitting at that five seed. Brooklyn, I had as three. They're at four. So really, it's just you move Milwaukee up and it pushes a lot of my top guys down a little bit. So I'm pretty happy with mine. I had obviously Miami in that one seed right now. They're at six. I thought they'd be a lot better, especially on the bench. I thought a lot of that bench depth was going to come through. They've missed a lot of guys with injury. Jimmy Butler, you know, he's out here and there. Bam Adebayo has been pretty consistent this season. Tyler Hero has been in and out of the lineup as well. So a lot of your scoring threat, you've been relying on some nights on Gabe Vincent to go out there and get you 25 points, which Gabe Vincent's been great this season. He's been a great, but he's he's supposed to be serving that backup point guard role. We'll see if they do anything come the trade deadline. I don't know if there's any big moves that they can make. Obviously, some things you're hearing about Kyle Lowry. I just don't know if that contract is going to be able to be tradable. So we'll see kind of how things go there. But as far as the Eastern Conference, you know, just a couple of surprise Atlanta Hawks right there at number eight. Um, I thought Toronto was going to be better than they are. I think Toronto, you talk about a team that it's time to blow it up. I think it might be Toronto because they have so many good players. They're just not a good team. Like, I think you're looking around. How many teams could use – a Pascal Siakam, a Fred Van Fleet, or an OG Ananobi. Like, I, you just, those are just a few guys that could help other teams. And it's for some reason, they just, I think we talked about before the season, they have so many B players that it's incredible, but they just don't have, they're not a great team put together. And that's just kind of the thing with Toronto. But I think the surprise to me, and it's surprised to a lot, has been the Knicks. They had a big win last night against the Boston Celtics in overtime. So, 
that was kind of a, a big one there, a big surprise in the Eastern Conference. But so far, not too many big shakeups, I will say, in the Eastern Conference. But for a lot of people, the Western Conference this season has been the hard one to kind of pin down. So currently, going through going through is the way things sit right now on Friday. The Denver Nuggets have the one seed, Memphis Grizzlies in two. Sacramento Kings are the three seed in the Western Conference as we sit as of right now. New Orleans Pelicans in that four seed. L.A. Clippers, five, six, Dallas Mavericks, seven, Phoenix Suns, eight, Golden State Warriors, 10, or nine, sorry, Minnesota Timberwolves, and 10, Utah Jazz. So, Jared, what did you have over there in the West? Well, so for me in the West, uh, I had Clippers uh, in the first seed. And I believe, if I am correct, I did say that the Clippers being the, uh, the number one seed relied on if the Clippers were healthy that se- uh, this season. That Same was here. that was my big my big point. And they haven't been healthy this season. So them being in the fifth seed right now, I don't take that as a total loss. Um, mm-hmm. Unless you're saying, well, then you should have predicted they would be unhealthy. Which, okay, that's a fair criticism. That is matter. a fair point. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did. I did have the Warriors at my number two. Um, they have not they it's been a weird start to the season for them and then when they were starting to get it together Steph went down with that shoulder injury which yeah. he's finally back and they're starting to play well big win over the Grizzlies the other night uh, so that was good to see um and they're currently hanging around the eighth seed uh the Suns which I had at number three it was looking really good up until a few weeks ago I mean yeah. they've missed Devin Booker and Chris Paul for stretches which has sunk Hit them the but free they're, fall. they're still in the first playing spot um and I'm sure once Booker uh, comes back and they get through some of their injuries, they'll be able to uh, make up some ground. Uh, at least that's what I would think. I had the Nuggets at four. They're currently at one. And as I'm looking through this top five, let me list the top five teams off in the West you. Yeah. Nuggets, Grizzlies, Kings, Pelicans, and Clippers. Typically, aside from maybe the Nuggets, historically, mm-hmm. those are like the worst franchises in the Western Conference. You got a point. You absolutely and, have a point. Because look at the bottom. Rockets, two-time NBA champions yep. in the last 30 years. San Antonio Spurs, yep. need I say any more? Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, up until the end of the Kobe era, the Lakers rarely, if ever, missed the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Portland Trailblazers, um, aside from the Jailblazer era, have consistently been towards the top. Um, the Thunder are usually a pretty good team. They're in 11th, um, aside from the post-Westbrook era, but they're all... Since they left Seattle, the Thunder had always been competitive. Oh, yeah. Um, And then, I guess, yeah, the Jazz in 10th, which the same thing as before the end of the Jerry Sloan era, Jazz rarely, if ever, missed the playoffs. Jazz win regular season games. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you have all these classic Western Conference teams are usually cream of the crop. They're all at the bottom of the standings, and it's the complete inverse. It's I I just find that kind of funny. Um, I think... We were, when we were talking about the Pelicans this season, who currently sit in fourth, um, we said that was one of the teams where, like, because I have them at seventh. Uh, where do you have them I have again? them at nine. At nine? Yeah. But I think we both agreed that was a team where, like, we expect yep. that team to be, have, like, the best chance of defying our expectations. Just blowing and, up in a good yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they were, I think, as high as, what, one? They were one. one for year? Yeah. They, they, they touched that one seed, yeah. And they're still without Zion. Zion's been out for a few weeks now. Um, and it still may be a few before we see him again. Um, and that, they're finally getting Brandon Ingram back. So this team this team is definitely surpassing expectations. Um, and I'm not surprised about that at all. 
Mavericks are about where I thought they'd be. They're at six. Um, I had them at five uh, mm-hmm. for the end of the season. And I got to hand it to the Grizzlies. They did not fall off. I had them at six. They're at two. And they seem to be one of the most dangerous teams on a nightly basis. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I agree with you 100%. The top of that that Western Conference is just – it's it's strange. Like, obviously, the Nuggets are there one at that one seed. But you talk about that top five, literally from the Lakers who are outside the play-in right now, who are not a good basketball team on, on most nights. They're below 500 team. They're two wins away from the team in six as far as in the win column. So there's not a lot of separation between that six through, like, 13 or six through 12 range – in the Western Conference where on any given night, just one good week for one team and one bad week for another. And we're going to see these change a lot. Obviously, the Nuggets and Grizzlies at the top have had a good season, but just those guys in the middle are all over the place. And shout out your punching bag, though. Sacramento, like the beam, is proving you wrong. And I think it's yes. I think it's time to say it. I think they're just – they're a good basketball team. Like I, I, they're good. Like the, the Sabonis has been fantastic. He's been exactly what they needed. Obviously neither of us liked that Tyrese Halliburton trade, getting him out of there, but it really did kind of free up that log jam at the, at the guard position. They're playing freely. Shout out Mike Brown, head coach out there is getting another chance and showing what he's capable and what these guys capable, capable of there in Sacktown Cause they're killing it. Absolutely. Yeah. Killing it. And that was what I was going to say. The biggest bet I was going to hedge on uh, was my bet that the Kings are going to miss the playoffs again this season. Clearly, that's <laughs> not going to happen the way things are going. And at, at the start of the season, I felt like really all right about that take because yeah. it was a rough start. They did not start off well at all. Um, it took them a while to to get over 500. And now at the top of the West for the first time since Chris Webber donned a jersey. Um, and Chris Webber was out of the NBA. NBA by what 2008 so yeah. it's been a yeah. while I was I was barely double digits in the age column there <laughs> so <laughs> shout okay. out shout out Sacramento Kings fans you guys deserve this for sticking with this sports franchise for as long as you have so for shout real. out to you you guys deserve this no ill will to the Kings more <laughs> so I just make fun of your your management because they've That's given fair. you a team that is not made like y'all were giving the Mariners a run for their money uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, no! I feel like it, it really is nice to see a lot of these teams that don't normally have a chance, or or we think just they're they're bottom dwellers in the Western Conference, finding their That's way up towards markets. the top because it pushes those other markets that think, hey, we just have a playoff spot locked up. It forces them to actually have to go out, look at their team, and maybe make some moves they otherwise wouldn't make. And I think that's good for the league overall. I think. One of the biggest disappointments is got to be, you know, the Minnesota Timberwolves where they're at going out and making that big move for Rudy Gobert. I think they got absolutely hosed on that trade as everybody thinks that they got at this point. I was obviously too high in Minnesota. I had them at sixth at the preseason. I thought they'd put things together. Obviously, Cat being injured too hurts that a lot, but they're currently sitting there at that nine spot. But, man, I just, you know, the way I, I look at this, I think the Western Conference is just – there's no one really running away with it. Like, even if the Nuggets end up with that one seed, I think there's a lot of teams that could end up as that eighth seed and not be too scared of the Nuggets. Like, let's just say the Lakers get healthy. They find their way into that play-in tournament. They find their way to earning that eighth spot. You're looking at a first-round playoff where it's the Nuggets who are unproven in the playoffs. Yeah, they have Nikola Jokic, who at that point could be a three-time back-to-back-to-back MVP, which I don't agree with, but he could be at that point. And then you got LeBron James averaging 30 points a game if you have a healthy Anthony Davis 
if Ryu Hachimura gets more integrated into that offense, if they make another move, you never know. Like, there's no team that's really scaring you. Where I think the Western Conference could set themselves up for we could have a playoffs of the ages that could it just be upset city because I look at a lot of these seven teams, like, would you be surprised? Right now it'd be Phoenix Suns against Memphis. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if if Phoenix That'd wins that series. series. Exactly. You got Sacramento against Dallas. Like, Sacramento, record-wise, is the better team. But Dallas, you, we know what they do in the playoffs. It's Luka Doncic. So you, you never know. Depending on the next half of the season goes, like, we could face a situation at the end of the season where the final week – of the regular season, like every oh, game yeah. is going to mean something. Absolutely. And teams will be flying up and down the standings, even just to fight for a playing spot. I'm not just Absolutely. talking to get the top six seeds, um, but I, I, I really want to watch this Western Conference play out because honestly, at this point, I don't know where the chips are going to land at the no. end of the day. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, that's a tough one. And it's going to be interesting to see for the rest of the season, obviously, with kind of when, when you have a conference like that, it's kind of hard to look at your preseason predictions because just kind of all hell's broken loose in one conference. And sometimes that happens, but makes for a lot of fun watching the NBA looks for, makes for a lot of fun, especially if you don't really have a vesting interest in a team out there. It's just like, I want to see craziness. I want to see great playoff matchups. I want to see intense basketball. And I think we could be setting ourselves up for one of those kind of old school style Western conference battles. Who's going to make their way out of it. It could literally be anybody. So that's kind of how we looked at the preseason for the conference finals or for the conference uh, rankings, I guess I should say. Moving on a little bit to our award picks, I want to move on to our MVP. And I I couldn't remember, Bajer, but preseason, who did you have as your MVP pick, pick and how's that looking right now? My uh, my preseason MVP, I was predicting a big year for Steph Curry. Oh, um, yeah. And I feel like Curry could have been in the conversation. Um yeah. If he had played a whole season so far, I don't think he'd be the front runner, obviously, because it looks like it's Jokic's uh, award <sighs> to win, um, which it just it hurts because you look at all the players that have won MVP in NBA Shouldn't history, be. and it's like seeing Nikola Jokic as a three-time MVP three times in a row when, like, I can't even remember the last time a player won three in a row. Did LeBron? I think it was I Kareem. Think Kareem was, was the last time yeah. there's three. So, I mean, that's Kareem. Yeah. Jordan didn't do it. LeBron didn't nope. do it. Kobe won it once. Yep. Shaq won it once. Yep. KD's won it once. Like, it just, it feels weird. It feels weird that, but like, there, it's, you don't, like, it's really hard to argue against a Jokic for MVP at this point. His team, I believe, is the best record in the NBA. They're the top of the Western Conference. And statistically, he looks amazing. On a nightly basis, the man's a walking triple-double. Yeah. Uh, He's efficient. But um, there's other names that are worthy. And I think in every Jokic conversation, there's always been the, well, I think Embiid has a shot at MVP. Absolutely. And, I mean, he's leading the league in scoring this year. His um, his advanced stat numbers are off the charts. I believe his PER rating is like a 33 right now, which is very, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, So there's still, like, I would say the race is not Jokic's to lose yet um but it's getting to the point where it's 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 looking like it could fall that way i did have curry but curry's missed a lot of games at this point and uh where the warriors are sitting i wouldn't want to vote for a player for first mvp when uh, his team is still in the cellar of the playoff race yeah 
Yeah, I get you. And looking at, the, I just kind of went and looked at the betting numbers. And right now, the betting favorite is Nikola Jokic. He is first as far as at negative odds to win his third MVP in a row, which I agree with you. And that's probably a discussion for a different day. But I, I, I even think back to back MVPs, you're looking at some of the greatest basketball players to ever play this game. And when you get to that list of back to back to back MVPs, it is so exclusive that I think. If the NBA voters allow it to happen, allow it to be Jokic for a third year in a row, I think we'll regret it looking back. And we're like, well, Jokic doesn't belong on that list of, I think it might actually just be Wilt and Kareem. Like, I think that might be it is there's not a lot. There's not a lot of guys on that list that have won back to back to back MVPs. There's, there's some guys that have won three, obviously three and more, but to win back to back to back like that, that is such an exclusive list. So my preseason pick, I'm still feeling pretty good about it. I do think things will swing. I had Luka Doncic. He's currently second in the MVP odds. He's plus 450. I think a lot of the times we look at the performances in the beginning of the season and we kind of forget about those by the end of the season where Luka, you know, he had that 60-point, 20-rebound, 10-assist game where we, it's like – at the moment, we were like, that is an incredible game. He did it, you know, while missing a free throw on purpose to grab it and bank in a shot to go to overtime. And it's like a lot of people are saying that's one of the best games we've ever seen one individual play. He I was agree. great. And we forget about that. And I think he's going to go on a run because he he's a streaky player. Like, obviously, he'll have some weeks where he's just going to go for a ho-hum 28-7-8. and eight, But then he'll just hit these streaks where he's gonna he's scoring 45 a night and he just goes out there and he does it I still think Luka Doncic is gonna have a chance I think if he goes on a run in the second half of the season people are gonna forget a little bit about the efficiency of Nikola Jokic especially if the Dallas Mavericks stay where they're at as far as that six seed or rise even a little bit more they're just a couple or I think just one game out from where the Clippers are at that five seed I think if they work themselves up into a top five seed I don't think you can use the excuse of oh he's not on a top team because I think if he you're saying he's a top five seed in that conference and you look at his does he have an all-star teammate no he's carrying the team to that so it's just one of those things where I still feel good about Luka Doncic I still think the narrative will swing a little bit just as soon as because I think we're going to get down to the end of the season and we're going to be looking at oh wow are we really going to give it a third year in a row to Nikola Jokic. So that's kind of how I look at the MVP as of right now. So moving on to rookie of the year, I think we both had the same answer and you can correct me if I'm wrong. We had Paolo Bancaro and I think that's looking pretty good right now. Yeah, I I'm, I'm ready to give the award to him uh, today. Uh, I, I would be <laughs> fine if like the NBA is like some right, Pacers you know, like, fans might not be too happy about that. Benedict you know, Matherin. Benedict Matherin's a fine player. Um, he's he's playing very well. He uh, he was part of the reason why my Bulls sunk a few nights ago, um, which was the beginning of this uh, depressing uh, week yeah. for me. Um, but he's not going to win Rookie of the Year coming off the bench when Paolo Bancaro is leading that Nugget or that Magic team uh, night in and night out. Uh, putting up some pretty good numbers. Some numbers we really haven't seen since like LeBron James was a rookie. Yeah. Um, and uh, Ben Carroll, like that's a star in the making. That's a superstar. Absolutely. He's going to be really good. Um, I, I wish I put money uh, on that pick before I moved to a state where I can't do online sports <laughs> betting because Ben Carroll is a, a sure thing for uh, rookie of the year. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. He's currently number one in odds. He's negative 850, so it looks like it's going to be his his award. We were both on that from the beginning of the season. Going into the draft, I said, you know, people were trying to make it a conversation between him, Chet, and Jabari. And I was like, if you just look at it, Paolo is the best guy. He's going to be the best rookie coming into this this year. He's your rookie of the year. He needs to be the number one overall pick. So we we're both right on that one. So defensive player of the year, this one always gets a little bit wonky. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's some preseason favorites, and then all of a sudden those guys drop out and guys come out of nowhere. So who did you have for your preseason defense player of the year? Um, I had Giannis. Um Giannis. Which not a bad pick, but no. it sounds like just with the way the narrative's swinging, uh, it's probably going to be Nick Claxton, especially considering uh, how Brooklyn's played this year. Uh, they got off to a slow start. Uh, they've missed KD at stretches. But if you look without Kyrie and KD on that team, that roster on paper doesn't look too great. The young guys have really stepped it up this year, and Nick Claxton is a major part of that. He's a major part of why Brooklyn is as successful as it is. And um, I won't be surprised if that's who's uh, the defensive player of the year is going to be. Yeah, my preseason defensive player of the year, I had Bam out of bio. I thought it was time for him to finally get some respect. And while the, the narrative hasn't really switched that way, when I looked it up, he's currently fourth as far as odds. So he's plus 1,100. So not exactly your front runner, but he's kind of close to that conversation. I mean, I'm, I'm, Kind of that might be some recency bias, but I do like you saying Nick Claxton just kind of coming into that conversation because I thought leading up to now it it would be Jaron Jackson Jr. I thought he's been the one that everybody's been talking about for that defensive player of the year in Memphis. So I do like Nick Claxton adding his name to that conversation. Giannis is always going to be in that conversation. He's he's mm-hmm. the best two way player. He's the best player in the NBA as we sit right now. So Giannis, obviously, if you're going into a preseason pick and you're picking Giannis for for a depot, it's it's never going to be a bad pick. So I like that a lot. So six man of the year, who did you have preseason? Uh, so preseason, I had Jordan Poole, who uh, according to uh, this one betting site, his odds are um, currently at 900. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how updated that is, but right now um, Russell Westbrook is apparently the odds on favorite, which to his credit and his off the bench role, I think it's helped the Lakers. Numbers and I think look it's good helped, too. And I think it's helped Westbrook himself. Um, but I always feel weird, especially if the Lakers end up around where I think they're going to end up, which is mm-hmm. – I think they'll be a little better than 13th, but I don't even know if they'll make play-in. Um, it's hard for me to give six-man of the year to a player that's on a team that's just not doing well. Like, cool, you're producing off the bench, but, like, to what benefit? Yeah. Um, typically, we see six-man of the year winners on teams that are at least a competitive team or team in the playoff hunt. I mean, Jamal Crawford on those really good Clipper teams – Lou Williams every other year and Williams was on some pretty good teams. I yeah. think uh, one year he won it. He was on the Clippers who were like an eighth seed, but he was like averaging like 26 a game or something yeah, crazy, crazy like that. So where, okay. Yeah. He's eighth seed, but he's averaging 26 off the bench. I mean, come yeah. on. It's sweet Lou um, names. I would throw in there like pool pool could still win it. It's halfway through the season. Malcolm Brogdon's uh, a possible choice considering how well the Celtics are doing. And someone that was moved to the bench this year, but I think has been working. I would keep an eye on Tyrese Maxey. Tyrese Maxey? I don't hate that. I absolutely don't hate that. Yeah. My sixth man of the year before the season, I had Tyler Hero, which I'm just going to put not available because he's basically been, he has been a starter. He's been the starting shooting guard for the Miami Heat. So my sixth man of the year preseason pick is kind of just out the window because my Mm -hmm. sixth man is no longer sixth man. So that's all right. I'll take the year off. And I was right last year on him being sixth man of the year. Absolutely ran away with the award. 
played himself into a starting role this season. So I, I do not get a six man of the year pick pretty much this year, but as far as coach of the year, who did you have preseason? Uh, preseason coach of the year. I had Tyron Lou. Uh, it was another thing. Clippers. Yeah. Uh, I was expecting a big year for them. I, I put a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, non-equitable capital capital into the Clippers this season, as you can tell. And it, it just really hasn't paid off. I'm not too upset. There's been extenuating circumstances. But I think at this point, I would have to give it to Mike Malone if the season ended today. Um, he's had to have two significant players um, inserted back into a rotation. One of them who hasn't been around for like almost the last two seasons. And another guy that missed all of last year. Um, so... I think that's a big challenge when you're reasserting players that have had a big role in your team previously, um, especially playing with a bunch of guys that may not have been there the last time uh, they were in the lineup. So figuring out a way to see, are these guys still what they once were? Can we still use them like we used to? And how will they fit with the new guys that are in our rotation while trying to put a competitive team around Nikola Jokic, which let's face it last year, the Nuggets were not meeting Jokic's level, kind of a similar thing with the Dallas Mavericks that uh, Luke is experiencing right now. Yeah. And uh, right now, the Mavericks are the first seed in the West. Um, and Jokic looks like he has a pretty good supporting cast. And I think a lot of that comes down to Mike Malone. Mike Malone's always been a really good coach. Sacramento should not have fired him all those years ago. <laughs> um, and the Nuggets have only benefited from that ever since. I think it's Mike Malone's time to get a little love. No, I, I don't hate that. I don't hate that. My my preseason pick was also Ty Lue. He's currently 11th in, in odds as far as plus 2,200, so it doesn't look like he's going to get it. I, I don't hate that Mike Malone take. I'd give it to Mike Brown, the way we're sitting right now with the Sacramento Kings. I think he's done a fantastic job over there, especially with the way that he lost his job many years ago. I believe it was uh, Cleveland. Lost a job there. Did he have a job after Cleveland? I can't remember. Uh, yes, let me look it up real quick. And I feel like it was somewhat recently, although yeah. he's been doing his thing. With or was Golden it State. Golden's? Oh, yeah. He's been uh, he was an Golden's. interim coach because I think Steve Kerr was yeah. recovering from yeah. something. So obviously he's, he's, yeah, he's been on good benches. He's been on good teams here for a while. So I'd give my vote as we sit right now to Mike Brown. As I think he's been a fantastic coach. He's just one of those guys. I think I feel kind of like Mark Jackson. If Mark Jackson ever got another chance is because he kind of started that Golden State team before Steve Kerr kind of took it in and, and took it to the stratosphere. So I kind of look at him in similar light. Um, he was last uh, – I forgot this. He uh, So he was the Cavs coach um, until the end of the LeBron era. And then he was the coach for the Lakers from 2011 through 2012. And he came back and coached the Cavaliers from 2013 to 2014. Gotcha. But but that Cavs team was awful. And there's nothing he could have done really because um, Kyrie just wasn't a player that could lead a team without much help. Um, So he's been with Golden State since 2016 until, uh, until this year. Gotcha. So moving now on to the – we've been announced the all-star starters as far as the Eastern and the Western Conference. So who are the top 10 guys in both conferences that will be starting the all-star game? We won't know on what team until the draft takes place, which will happen this year right before the actual all-star game itself as we'll see the captains go up there and draft their team. But starting out in the Western Conference, I'll start over there. We've been announced Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, LeBron James will be serving as captain once again. Zion Williamson and Nikola Jokic. So those are the five guys we have out West. Jared, I know you got some stuff to say about this. So what are your concerns with this top five in the Western Conference? Now, it looks all right. 
until you realize the games that have been played between some of the players. Zion's missed large chunks of the season. Um, Steph has played 35 games, which seems like it's kind of enough, but some teams have played close to 50 games this season. Yeah. Um, and then the guards, it's so competitive out West. Um, one could argue maybe John ja Morant was snubbed in favor of Steph Curry. Um, one could also argue that Zion Williamson, which I think is the easier argument to make, probably shouldn't be starting. Maybe it should be somebody like DeMontis Sabonis uh, to represent the Sacramento Kings, who are a top three seed out West. Uh, you could even throw Paul George, who's had a pretty nice season, I think. Um, I just I don't think Zion was the right answer here. Believe it or not, I'm not as upset about this as uh, you might expect me to be. Man. But I still think you probably probably could have gone some different directions. Yeah. I'm a little bit more upset than you, which which I, I didn't exactly see coming. But out West, in my eyes, they got two of these just dead wrong. And that's Shea Gilgis-Alexander should be in there over Steph Curry. And Demontis Sabonis should be in there over Zion Williamson. And I think the numbers back it up as well as the games played back it up. I mean, Shea this season, he's given you 35 and 6. So 30 points, five rebounds, and six assists a night in 44 games. Steph Curry, he's been great when he's been on the floor. 29 points a game, six rebounds, and six assists as, as well. But he's played in just 33 games so far this season for Steph Curry. And as far as on the other side of things, I am one of Zion's biggest supporters. I think Zion is a fantastic player in this league. I even listed him as, the when he was on the court, the 10th best player in the NBA this season. But looking at what he's done this season, he doesn't, he doesn't deserve that starter nod. Demonis Sabonis does. Sabonis has given you 18 and a half points a game, 12.4 rebounds, which leads the league, by the way, this season in rebounds, and 7.3 assists. He's played 45 games this season for the Sacramento Kings. Zion, 26 points, 7 rebounds, 4.5 assists, 29 games for Zion this season. You, at the end of the day, we can't award these guys for what they might have done when they're injured. Sabonis, Sabonis and Shea have been there consistently for their teams. And in many aspects, depending on how you look at it, they've been putting up better numbers than the counterpart who got the nod over them. I like that you can you can argue Ja Morant over Steph Curry as well. He's right there. I just think Shea Gilgis-Alexander has been so great when he's been on the court this season with below average play throughout the rest of his team. I think I would give him that nod. Also, we just have to know LeBron, captain once again, undefeated as captain. We'll see if he keeps that streak going. See if the the best GM in the league can get another win here for the All-Star game. See, I just when it comes to All-Star voting um, in terms of just who becomes captain, I think the whole system of picking teams is ridiculous. I love it. It's just ridiculous to start. I am totally old school. I want to throw it back to East versus West. Give me some like <laughs> – Get rid of these awful garbage <clears throat> Kia uniforms. You know what, Kia? I'm okay you really with the You want to put your logo yeah, you on something? Put your logo on like their jerseys when they wear their own jerseys in the All Star game. Let's throw it back to 1998, yeah. if you don't mind. Um, because clearly the NBA and who's ever designing these jerseys, I mean, we've already seen it with the, the city edition jerseys and stuff like that, where they've run out of ideas and yeah, it's hurting absolutely. all of us at this point, I think. <laughs> um, they ran out of all-star jerseys years ago. Like Kobe's all-star jerseys were probably the last ones that were like not bad. Yeah. Um, it it's it's got actually no the Chicago ones were good. The Chicago ones were good. Yeah. But 
that's few and far between since. And that was in 2020. It's been three years now. And these years, jerseys, <laughs> just, just let the players wear their jerseys. Yeah. Everything old is new again. Just let them wear their jerseys. And also, please bring back East First West. I'm fine with that, but I, I'm i fine with the no East First West. I think it's fun. And it's a little bit more exciting. You get these guys playing with each other that, that haven't had a chance to play with each other on the same team. And I kind of like the whole just line them up, old school style, draft them off the, off the court, off the blacktop type thing. I'm, I'm a fan of that, man. But We'll see. We'll see. Moving over to the Eastern Conference, we have our five starters on that side, and that is Kyrie Irving. Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. So, Jared, what are your issues out in the Eastern Conference, if any? So, initially hearing Kyrie Irving as a starter kind of, like, irked me. I'm like, Kyrie Irving a starter? But if you look, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, he's the only thing keeping the Nets afloat right now. And outside Donovan Mitchell, the guard prospects this yep. year haven't been so great in the East. It's, it's been a little different. We've seen... Guys have down years like LaMelo Ball's hardly been on the court. Not saying he'd be a starter. He wouldn't yeah. probably even be an all-star unless someone got hurt. Um, whether you're – I forget if Jimmy Butler counts as front court or back court. I, I lose he, track with him. No, he's in the forward position, yeah. So, yeah. Okay, he, so why haven't they adjusted that for DeMar DeRozan? I don't know. Man hasn't played shooting guard since <laughs> before Kawhi even came to Toronto. No, but whatever. Because <laughs> he definitely doesn't play for the Bulls. Speaking of a Bulls guard, Zach Levine, until the last couple weeks, has been having an offseason, although the last two mm. games weren't great. Um, a lot of guard play in the East has not been great, so Kyrie is very deserving of that spot. What I am upset with is how the hell is Joel Embiid not an all-star starter? Yep. No disrespect <clears throat> to the other guys there. Disrespect continues for no Joel. No disrespect. Man. Yeah, Giannis is the best player in the NBA. Absolutely. I think Embiid should be the first starter. Out of the forwards in the East, you can easily he should be make the first argument. guy. He's leading the NBA in scoring. The 76ers are doing very well. Two seed, yep. I mean, like I said before, he's a very efficient player this year. He is having his best season yet. Why is he not starting? Jason Tatum, you're a great player. You should not be there. I am sorry. Ooh. It should be Joel Embiid is should be starting in this All Star game, and I want to see Jokic and Embiid on opposing sides. In an all-star yeah. game. I think those two have, like, they're the only center rivalry we have left. One of the That's only it. centers we have left. Like, just <laughs> yeah. straight centers. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm sorry. Uh, Derek Jones Jr. is 6'5". He's not a real center, Billy Donovan. <laughs> no. That's a real center. He's trying the one that best. is not starting in the all-star game. Now, I, I'm, I might be overreacting a little bit because at the end of the day, all the players we've discussed that aren't starting that we think should, they're all going to be all-stars. Yeah. I mean... Let's 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 be honest. They are. And at the end of the day, to me, really, that's all that matters is that the right players are getting the all-star selections and the fans and the players votes, which I have a lot to say about that at some point. Yeah. It could be today. It could be another time. I, I just I don't want the fans and players screwing up the vote. I no. just all-star votes and or all-star selections are a legacy award to me, just like the MVP, the all NBA team selections and that we should keep them sacred and stop voting for people that are undeserving of it whether yeah. you're a fan whether you're a player i'm i, I think the media is pretty responsible because if they start voting for austin reeves i'm sure their uh voting <laughs> privileges are going to be yanked by the nba be like That's what are true. you doing like, yeah so oh, yeah man. and yeah sorry I, I went iso a little bit oh you're good <laughs> 
No, the, the main problem I had out east too is is the Joel Embiid conversation. I would change it up a little bit, and that's I'd have Joel in there over Kevin Durant. And the main reason I'd have him yeah. over Kevin Durant is just because KD's hurt right now. I agree. When, if you actually look at the numbers, though, Durant's played more games this season than Embiid has. He, Embiid's played 35 and Durant's played 39. So it doesn't just come down to that. I think if you're just looking at who's injured right now, we don't know if Kevin Durant is going to be back in time to even play in this All-Star game. So then it'll just go to the next guy. And then it'll probably be Joel Embiid anyways, be the next guy. And if it's not, then we're all going to have an entire entirely different conversation if he's not the number one guy left out of that forward position. So well, that's, a diff- watching the NBA. that's a different conversation for a different day if we get there. But, you know, Embiid, 33.4 points per game, almost 10 rebounds, about four assists. Durant, he's been great, 30 points a game, 6.7 rebounds, 5.3 assists. So you're just looking at you're, – you're nitpicking at that point when you're talking about all-star starters. They're all fantastic players. I'd give the nod to Embiid over Kevin Durant. Obviously, Kevin Durant is still an all-star. Um, you can argue that Tatum as well. You know, Tatum is one of those two guys. Giannis, you have to have in there as a starter. But yeah, I th- that's my main problem out east. And I agree with you. Kyrie Irving was one of those guys where you first take a look at it and you're like, Man, Kyrie's not a starter. And you start to look around the Eastern Conference. Are you going to give it to Fred Van Fleet? You're going to give it to Darius Garland? Like, no, Kyrie's had a better season. He's been there. He's been on the court. He's playing at all-star level. So you got to give him that nod. So Kyrie has defied expectations. I expected at that. least one weird thing to happen this I year. Still think it's been a, I still think it's a matter of time. Oh, but we're so halfway far, through. So there's plenty of time. He's been great. He's been great. I'll <laughs> yeah. give him that. Shout out Kyrie. We'll give it. We'll give him. We'll uh, give him moving off of our rants of what we do not like about the <laughs> NBA, or not about the NBA, but about some of these votings and how things kind of pan out there. Jared, we thought this was going to happen this season. I think all of us did, but none of us really thought mm-hmm. that it was going to happen this soon. But LeBron James is currently just 158 points away from passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on the league's all-time leading scorer list. LeBron's already passed Kareem for the all-time record in a regular season and playoff numbers combined, but now he's less than 200 points away. Jared, just because this is coming up, we have to ask the internet's favorite question. What does this mean for LeBron's legacy? Um. So I'm going to get out ahead of this, and I've been preparing for this conversation for years. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to the baseline of what it means is it means LeBron's just the all-time lean scorer in the NBA, which is an amazing accomplishment. It's a record that stood since 1989, and no player drafted previous to that or that has played past 1989 or come into the league since then has been able to top it. So, of course, or come close. To, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's, – well – Malone, Carl Malone probably could have got to that if he had a few healthier seasons at the yeah. end and then played out his Laker contract in 2005. True. Uh, he possibly could have surpassed Green, but that just didn't happen. He just wasn't healthy and then yeah. retired early. Um, if you count retiring at 40 uh, early, but um, it, it's, it's a fantastic accomplishment and it's a record that we likely will not see surpassed or, um, at least not for a long time, unless yeah. we're starting to face a future where sports medicine gets so good to where we'll see superstars being dominant in the league for 20 years, which not completely out the window. Never know. Um, but just for what we've seen from LeBron's resume of longevity, it's amazing. Now, the part of this conversation I've been waiting for for the past couple years when this really became like attainable for LeBron. Yeah. In regards to the GOAT debate, because that's what it's going to come down to at the end of the day. Let's be that's honest. What that's, that's what everything that's comes what, down to. Anything LeBron and Jordan have ever done, especially what LeBron's going to do for the rest of his career, how does this affect LeBron James' legacy? That's like Absolutely. a little joke. When 
LeBron James passes Kareem in scoring. Mm-hmm. If this is your reason to validate LeBron as the GOAT, like he passed Kareem scoring, he's the GOAT. Why why wasn't LeBron the GOAT like three years ago then? If this if this is yeah. what changed it, shouldn't shouldn't LeBron have been the GOAT for a while? It should not take LeBron reaching a certain scoring accolade for him to be considered the GOAT for people's arguments. If he was your GOAT, he should have been your GOAT, and this should not have an impact on the conversation. Le- LeBron already passed MJ in scoring a while ago, but he passed MJ in scoring, and I forget, I think it was over 100 games more it, played. Yeah. Oh, no, so, Jordan? Yeah, I think, no, because uh, from where Jordan was when LeBron passed him, it took LeBron like 100-something uh, more games. Yeah, yeah, but when he passes Kareem, he's going to be like 150 or 200 less games than Kareem. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. But no, Jordan, when he passed Jordan. Jordan, yeah, absolutely, he yes. was he was a little bit more. Jordan, I mean, he averaged points per game. Jordan still leads everybody. He scored yeah, more he points is per game. S- extremely slight edge over Wilt Chamberlain. Yeah. They're both at um, rounding right the numbers right at, at thirty point yeah. one. Yeah. Um, this shouldn't change the goat debate because we we knew LeBron was going to pass this anyway. Um, if he wasn't your the goat, like. 200 points go where you could say the argument's over at this point. What's it going to change in 200 points? Mm-hmm. Like if that's, if that's going to be your point that LeBron's a go, cause he's leading the NBA in scoring. Like it's, it's a weak point. And I just want to get ahead of that. Like congrats. He has another record and that is awesome. And it adds to his legacy as something to like look and shine about. But mm-hmm. for me, it, it doesn't change. Cause at the end of the day, like, yes, his longevity really helps this conversation. But reaching a certain scoring mark when what was the difference a thousand points ago? Like it it shouldn't change the conversation just because he moved a position ahead. Yeah. Because at the I, end of the day, for I mean, no, go yeah, ahead. sorry, go I'll, ahead. I'll just finish up real quick. You're good. At the end of the day, for me, I mean, obviously, when it comes to scoring, I still think Jordan's a better scorer than LeBron because, yeah, you can argue LeBron's longevity and there's, Asterisks with MJ, considering he retired like twice in between. Um, so who knows where he would have ended up in scoring had he just played his career all the way through, like we so many of us wish. Thank you, uh, thank you, Ryan Storp, and uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> can't even think of his name right now. How why mm. am I blanking on it? There's another Jerry, though, Jerry Krause. There we go, we Krause, got around to yeah. it. Oh, the brain's been struggling lately. Um, but at the end of the day. It's not going to change the conversation for me because I know what matters more in a conversation about being the GOAT. So you can debate all you want with me on Twitter or on TikTok or whatever else, but you throwing in the conversation, well, LeBron passed Kareem. whoop de freaking do good for Good for LeBron. Like, honestly, honestly, wholeheartedly great for LeBron, great for the NBA. Having this long-standing record pass doesn't change the debate for me. I, I think it's fair. To, I, what you said was fair. And I also think it's fair to say that, you know, I'm the LeBron guy on this podcast. I think that's a title that I wear proudly. And it's an <laughs> argument that I will have any day with anybody that wants to uh, go down that road, which more often than not, people don't want to go down because it takes a long time to get there. And at the end I of the day, hours, no one's man. no one's really changing sides. <laughs> but while this doesn't mean the end-all, be-all of the GOAT conversation by any mean, I do think it's just another notch in in his belt. Look, I already think he's the greatest player of all time. Um, I look at the Go conversation as a collection of a player's career, not just as a team or an individual counting stat where a lot of people will just say, 
my my big thing about on the Jordan side of things, they just go, oh, six rings. And I, the, the comeback is always, is that the most all-time? Well, no, it's actually not. Then that doesn't just mean the end-all, be-all of anything. When I look at the GOAT, I look at dominance, skill, production, longevity, team achievement, individual accolades, and the ability to make players around you better, which is how, through my research, through my fandom of the NBA, I've landed as my greatest player of all time was LeBron James, still is LeBron James. His legacy speaks for itself. The fact that he'll be able to stand alone on the top of the NBA point scoring mountain is a culmination of his career's work and speaks to the longevity and his production in the NBA. I'm a little upset that the media hasn't made a little bit of a bigger deal about this, about this record when he does it. We we had countdowns, though, of Steph Curry breaking the all-time three-point shooting record. That is true. We had every night we were on Curry Watch. And it was great because it was an all-time record that an all-time great was going to break. And I was excited. I was tuning in to watch Curry. I'm like, how many, How you know, he's 14 three-points away, shots away. And I'm like, he could catch that. If he wanted to, he could do that tonight because that's just the type of player Steph Curry is. He gets hot. He goes nuts. LeBron is – I don't understand why we're not making a little bit bigger deal out of it about this. I'm not saying it's got to be the headline on every sports section or, you know, on every single sports talk radio show or or TV show, but it almost just seems like we're all just kind of accepting the fact that he's going to do it, and that's great. We don't really care. I mean, yeah, in a week we're going to talk about it a little bit. But it would probably be at the best a B or the C story on a lot of these talk shows where he's up there where LeBron is the all-time leading scorer. That's great. And, but you know, everybody, like you said, everybody who already thinks he's the GOAT is going to continue to think he's the GOAT. Everybody who's on another camp, it's not going to change the way that they look at it. But I do think that there should be some sort of celebration where an all-time great breaks an all-time record. And that's what we're looking at here with LeBron. So go ahead. Oh, no, I think there is going to be a celebration. I yeah. honestly, I think you're underrating what this media firestorm is going to be. I think it's going to explode when it happens because all the Nick Wrights out of the world are going to But what's it going to explode with? Oh, it's going to be all over social media, and then it's just going to reignite the talking points of LeBron versus Jordan on talk exactly. shows. Exactly, and what like we're going to see, week. what we're going to see is that Jordan propaganda machine start up again, though. It's going to happen because, whoa, whoa. listen, you can if for every Nick Wright that you throw at me, I can throw a Skip Bayless right back at you. And we, that's don't just the, I, we don't claim him. We don't want care. him. We don't. Want I don't him. care because everybody has to hear him. But he's on way, his own island. <laughs> he's on his own island. But the way that it works, in my theory, is because LeBron is the first NBA player to ever threaten Jordan. We'll just put it that way. To ever put themselves in the same sentence as Jordan. It's why the pushback from the Jordan fans is so heavy. If LeBron wasn't a legitimate GOAT alongside Jordan, they'd be like, ah, whatever, you can just think what you want to think. We all know what the answer is. It's because LeBron is a threat in a lot of people's eyes, is in that conversation, is a lot of people's GOAT, which is why the Jordan, as much as you talk about, we're going to hear a lot of, Obviously, people pushing the LeBron narrative because he's going to be doing this great thing. I think we're going to see an equal amount of pushback from the from the Jordan side of things. People trying to diminish LeBron's accomplishments, and it happens every time. Well, see, I will give LeBron this. LeBron is in the conversation if you view the conversation as a conversation and not like an ongoing thing. To me, the possibility of LeBron, like the window of LeBron surpassing Jordan all time has closed for me just because we've seen too much of both of the careers play out to where 
the way I look at it, there's so many instances you can put point to LeBron's career and legacy where it's like there's a hole there that it's hard to overlook to give him that edge over Jordan. But I will say LeBron, like if someone says, I think the greatest player of all time is like LeBron or Kareem, I will. I think that person's wrong. I'm just saying that I think they're wrong. But it's not like an insane conversation to say, I think LeBron or Kareem's greatest of all time. No. And why I give Kareem that edge is because Kareem comes from a completely different era than both players, where Jordan uh, LeBron's eras are a lot closer. I mean, right, they literally yeah, right missed each, each other by an off season. Yeah. Um, so they played against a lot of the same players, um, mm-hmm. had a lot of the same coaches, that kind of deal. Um, so they played in very similar eras uh, that basically intersected. Whereas Kareem, even though Jordan was around for part of Kareem's era, by the time Jordan was in there, the NBA was completely changing. Um, and Kareem's the only guy with six MVPs. Yeah. Um, which is, that's, that's really yeah. insane. So the, the way I see it, you can, if you get an honest NBA fan and you're having a who is your best player of all time conversation, there's three guys that are in that conversation. Yeah. There, are, there is Jordan, there is LeBron, and there is Kareem. And when you go back and you take a look at it, the more you look, you're like, Kareem has an argument. Like there's there's no doubt about it. Kareem deserves to be in that conversation. What he was able to do in his career, and I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. I I just think Kareem though has the weakest argument of the three, just because you can then point um, to, well, I guess midway through his through the end of his Laker and NBA tenure, um, Kareem wasn't like a one man army like, or I shouldn't say one man army. He wasn't the clear cut best player or leader. Yeah. Uh, through that last stretch, like. There isn't a point in either LeBron or MJ's career where you can say they weren't the best player on the team. Even MJ in his 40s was still Absolutely. the best player in that Washington Wizards. Absolutely. LeBron, his rookie year, was the best player on that Cavs team. Sorry, Ricky Davis. Sorry, Carlos Boozer. There's the never rookie, been a point. That rookie can come in here, man. He just he, he thinks he's going to play. We'll <laughs> see about that. All right, man. He's LeBron oh, we, James. We've seen. We've seen, he's we've gonna seen play. how it plays out. He's going to play. Yeah. You no. you can't argue that those two weren't the most important players. Sure, you can argue LeBron's had challengers like, well, was it Wade or LeBron's team? Okay, it could be Wade's team. LeBron's still the best player. He's still the best player. Miami Heat. Absolutely. Um, it was Curry's team. Durant was the best player. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly that. Um, and then Jordan, there's never been a, well, is it this person's team? You could, And then someone wants to say, oh, Jerry Stackhouse with the Wizards? Not only was it Jordan's team and he was the best player, the man like put together that team, then quit his job to play for that team. It was Jordan's team. I mean, come on now. (laughs) He was drafting you guys and signing you guys. It was his team. Um, Whereas Kareem, the second Magic came in, Kareem gets hurt in the 80 finals and Magic is the finals MVP as a rookie. Kareem does win finals MVP in 85, but Magic's probably the best player from like 82, 83 onward for the lakers yeah. and cream like played basically essentially the scotty pippen role for the last six seasons yeah. of his career and magic Something... i feel like is a little disrespected too but that's a story for a different day the height of yes, exactly. magic johnson 100 percent. yeah magic's like in that second tier of like he's not the goat yeah. i will kind of look at you crazy if he says the goat but you're not like you're not out super of, you're not off. You're not out of bounds. It's kind of like how a lot of people, there a lot of people will say their goat is Kobe. Like, no, Kobe's not the best basketball player of all time. Kobe's your position. Kobe's your favorite. Like, yes, and that's okay. Like, Kobe's your favorite player. That's great. That's fantastic. But you know, the way I look at this record, it's 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 one that nobody thought 
that, that anyone was going to touch just because mm-hmm. of the longevity that you'd have to play in order to rack up all those points. Not even Kareem. I think Magic Johnson came out and said that the Kareem didn't expect anybody to ever touch this record. Thought he was going to break it. And LeBron's going to be able to pass it while still somehow a- averaging about 30 points a game is incredible. I, I think this is huge for the NBA community. But in the greatness of LeBron James, it's just another thing that he's accomplished in the NBA. I'm with you that it doesn't put an end to any sort of conversation. I'm already on one side of the camp. You're already on another side of the camp. We're not switching. But it's just another nice thing that LeBron's going to be able to say, I have scored more points in the game of basketball than anybody else has ever scored. And to put this all in perspective, um, let's imagine Karl Malone did Past Kareem, he did have a couple healthy seasons at mm-hmm. the end of his career. He played that whole Lakers season in 04 and then came back in 05. Probably would have surpassed Kareem. That's a guy no one has in any GOAT conversation. No. no. So if it means so much LeBron passing Kareem, what if it was Carl Malone that LeBron Man. was passing? Like, no, okay. I feel you. Absolutely. So, it's another yeah. thing for LeBron. It doesn't make him the GOAT, but I do yes. think it is it is a great accomplishment for someone who's been in the league. Oh, wait. Did you just say it doesn't 20s. make LeBron the GOAT? Well, he already is the GOAT, so that doesn't make... <laughs> I know, I know, that's I know. I'm, I'm messing, I'm messing. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just trying to get an out-of-context soundbite from Yeah, you. there you go. Just cut that <laughs> and put that up there. Got him. I got him. No, man. Uh, moving on from our totality of NBA conversation, let's move to a pretty specific issue. Uh, it's been going on in the NBA. It's been going on for quite some time now. It's been a, a a topic of discussion, and that is resting NBA stars, or as a lot of people know it now, as load management. So on a nearly nightly basis, we can see sometimes entire teams take the night off. I believe the Denver Nuggets just did that the other night, sat pretty much everybody and put in their backups just for rest. Jared, do you think this is an ongoing problem in the NBA, and is it time to finally put a stop to it? This is the biggest problem in the NBA. For several reasons. Um, And I want to start this off by saying I am very pro-player. Players, the money they make, they deserve every cent, if not more, of what they make when it comes to contract negotiations because they make a certain percentage of the league's revenue. So miss me with all the conversations where you're you're going to say athletes are overpaid. They're not overpaid. They're, They're what brings in the money. We're not coming in to watch their white billionaire owners that if the players weren't making the money they're making, all this money is going to the owners anyway. So you really... For those that are in the camp that players should make less, you really want the 30 rich white men to to make more money than uh, these players that a lot of them don't come from much or come from backgrounds like me and you. Uh, So, yeah, I'm just going to say very pro player. But when it comes to the issue of load management, and then we've seen it twice this week, once with the Cavs and the Warriors game and then another Miami Heat game, we're fans. Fans, which let's be honest, in today's day and age, not the best economy we have right now. Yeah. Um, we're coming out of a pandemic, um, high inflation rates. NBA tickets, going to NBA games for a lot of families, that is a premium. That's something maybe they can do once a year. Maybe. Sit in an arena for two and a half hours and watch some of their favorite players or their favorite teams go at it. For some kids, it is a massive moment. I remember the first time I saw an NBA game. I remember the first NBA game. The first time I sat in a Chicago Bulls game and got to watch my favorite player, Derrick Rose, play. It was a huge moment for me growing up. And for these kids that are significantly younger than me, when I went to my first NBA game, for them, this moment to go and watch not only just Steph Curry, but like the entire Warriors team sit out after they drove eight hours to Cleveland 
to watch the Warriors play the Cavaliers and basically end up with Jordan Poole as your primary player, which somehow the Warriors still won that game. I don't know how that <laughs> happened. That is ridiculous, and that can't happen. No. I mean, shout out to Jimmy Butler for making it up to that one kid that went viral on social media for that sign because mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler's a class act guy. And 100%. Butler ha- has, I don't know exactly why Butler was out, but he's been dealing with injuries. So that one I do believe was a little more of a thing. But the Warriors was clear load management um, made popular by Greg Popovich and the Spurs. If any, the only thing the Spurs organization has done wrong is create this load management trend to uh, help Manu, Parker, and Duncan then that's what they've done. Um, Players should be playing if they're healthy. Sports medicine is the best it's ever been. Training staffs are no longer one or two guys. There are full training staffs. We call it a staff, not a trainer or his assistant or her assistant. We have training staff. Sports medicine is the best it's ever been. The NBA is almost eliminated back-to-backs across entire schedules. It's very rare when your team plays two nights in a row. And yet, players are playing less games more than ever. I mean, I don't want to be like, oh, this is the greatest era, blah, 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 when like the Jordan era, guys were playing 82 games consistently. I think AC Green played like 700 straight games, something like that. John Stockton only missed 19 his entire career, and the man played for 19 years. Um, what, what changed? Why... There's no reason players should be seen out. There's no reason to shorten the NBA schedule. If medicine's the best it's ever been, the owners, the uh, the front offices, any NBA executive with a shred of power, the next CBA has to end this because it's hurting the product on TV. It's hurting the fans. And some people may be turned off from the NBA forever and be like, we're never going back to an NBA game if we're going to pay all this money just to watch the B squad. Yeah. Like, I mean, the fans aren't the most important thing, but for your product, they should be a big focus. Like obviously the players health matters, but if the players are healthy, they, they should be playing. Yeah. I don't care if they've had a major injury in the last year or two. If they're playing, if they're playing NBA games, then they're healthy enough to be playing a full schedule. Otherwise they shouldn't be playing at all. That's my rant. I'm just, it pisses me off. You're good. I agree with everything you said. And I kind of, I, I didn't do this on purpose, but I kind of took a little bit of devil's advocate approach from what you said too. And I like that where my thought on this issue is how do you fix it? And you know, the, the league might not like this, but at the end of the day, these stars are defined by what they do at the end of the season in the playoffs than what they do on a Tuesday in Utah. And as much as it sucks to say, because of the fans and the fans are a really huge part of the NBA, obviously their money, their support is what lifts the NBA up and keeps it going. I think it's become a problem because teams want their main guys, obviously, to stay as fresh as possible. And the only possible solution I see is to shorten the season. I know a lot of people are against that. There's some people that have came out and said that they're for it. But I think if you cut the 82 games down to, you know, 72, 65, or wherever you go, you'll see far less teams resting players, probably less injuries all around, and just overall fresher superstars when it comes to these playoffs. Because but the problem that you're going to have with trying to shorten a season, though, with all this money coming into the leagues, the TV networks and advertisers, 
they're always going to be pushing for more games. They're never going to be pushing for less games. We saw over in the NFL where they pushed for a 17th game for no reason. There's just an extra week of NFL football that a lot of the times doesn't mean anything when it comes to the end of the season like that. So I don't know if you can win that fight as far as shortening the season because of all the money in the NBA. But otherwise, I don't see an easy solution to load management management because I agree if a player is healthy, they should be out there on the court if they can go. And that's the way that it should it should happen. But I also don't blame these players for saying, listen, at the end of the day, I'm getting paid for what I'm doing in April. I'm, I'm getting paid for what I'm doing in the playoffs when that times comes. And if I can miss, you know, 10, 15 games throughout the regular season and I'm more full go when it comes to those playoffs, I think my team would much rather have me full go when it comes to playoffs. So it, it's it's a hard so it's a hard thing to do because at the end of the day, they want their best product at the end of the season. And at the same time, you want your fans to be able to show up and, and face this and see the superstars play on any given night. So it's a tough issue. It's one that's not going to there's no easy solution on, on one side or the other. It's going to be an ongoing on, ongoing topic like you said, in upcoming CBAs and things as we get to there. But it'll be interesting to see how kind of things shake out as far as where the players fall, where the owners fall, where the TV networks fall too, and how they want to see games being played throughout the regular season. But now it's time on the TML podcast for our favorite segment to close it up. And that is, of course, TM up. So, Jared, who gets your technical foul this week? My technical foul goes to somewhere I haven't gone before, believe it or not. It's not going to refs this time. <laughs> it is going to NBA 2K. Okay. And I'm going to tell you why. LeBron James, um, in the rating update that came out yesterday, was bumped up to a 98. Now, here's why I have a big issue with it. I'm a huge NBA 2K nerd. It's one of yeah. my favorite things. It's kind of how I learned about all the basketball players growing up, how I learned all their names, what teams they were on. And yep. it got me invested into the history of the league. So I owe a lot to 2K because it sparked a fire under me. But when it comes to ratings, especially considering 2K does such a great job with incorporating the game's history, so you'll have tons of classic teams. LeBron James is on several of those classic teams, including the 2013 Miami Heat and the yep. 2016 Cavaliers. Both time, both teams, he's rated a 98 overall. You know why? Because that was the peak of LeBron James. That was some of the best LeBron James we ever saw. Absolutely. So giving LeBron James in 2023, still a very good basketball player who was a 96 coming into the season and for most of this year, bumping him up from a 96 to a 98 is insane. LeBron James is not at the peak of his powers right now. Still a really good basketball no. player, but he's not at his peak. Putting him at a 98 suggests he's the best player in the NBA right now. No one else has a 98. Embiid's not a 98. Giannis isn't a 98. Jokic isn't a 98. All of them are better than LeBron. There are a few players I didn't name that I would put over LeBron, like KD, maybe Steph Curry, Luka Doncic. Mm -hmm. I certainly think they could have that argument. LeBron James, yet... It has a 98 overall, saying he's about as good as he's ever been. When that's just not the case. 2K's ratings should be true to life for the integrity of the game, and that's just not the case. Yes, we're, we want to celebrate LeBron passing a scoring record. He's been going on an insane scoring streak. No. But to suggest he's the best he's ever been is crazy. You look at his advanced stats, he's at one of the lowest PRs of his career. I think it's like 25.2. Um, his shooting... In the last month, he's shooting 29% from the field. This is one of his worst – I'm sorry, from three. Yeah. This is one of his worst shooting years from beyond the arc. We're giving him a 98 during this season. Athletically, he's still pretty athletic, but he's not where he once was. You can watch him and see the speed is just not there. I can give so many other reasons of why that rating is just wrong, but 
can we please be realistic stuff? I get we want to celebrate LeBron, but I'm teeing up 2K. It's like it's it's ridiculous. He's not the best player in the NBA. And it's disrespectful to when LeBron was at his best. It's disrespectful yeah. to that LeBron. I get you. No, I agree with that. And um moving on to my technical foul. I'm gonna tee up the organizers of the NBA slam dunk contest. You know, you might remember that thing that we all used to love and we tuned in every year for it growing up as far as the all-star weekend. The event has uh, since become something that can only be described as a dud. Uh, it's boring. Guys attempting 20 dunks and still not landing one. It looks more like a beauty contest and a slam dunk contest. No stars are signing up for it. You're forced to market Juan Toscano Anderson against Obi Toppin as the big matchup. And now you lock down two young bench players and a G-leaguer so far for this year's contest. Yeah. And uh, things need to change. I've been on this for years. Things need to change. Uh, a lot of people might not like it. I think it's time to open it up to the rest of the basketball world. I think you take three of the top dunkers outside of the NBA, compete against three of the top dunkers inside the NBA, a million bucks go to the winner. You give these guys, internet legends, a chance to show off to the world what they're capable of. I guarantee it'll increase, viewers, increase viewership. Something has to change. Let's make the dunk contest great again. We are just about out of time here on the TM Up podcast, so we're going to rush, <laughs> go ahead, through, get through the end. Thank you guys all for listening. We love everybody following along, giving us comments throughout the week as far as on all of our social media platforms. We'll be sure to catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. And remember, we need to stop the fan vote.